Hi, this is Janet Lansbury. Welcome to Unruffled. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome a colleague and friend, longtime friend, Susan Stiffelman. And now we're back with Susan Stiffelman. Susan is a therapist, a teacher, a lecturer, and an author. She offers online training courses, and she has two best-selling books, Parenting with Presence and Parenting Without Power Struggles. For over 30 years, Susan has worked with families to create harmony and a deeper connection between parents and children. Much like my own infant-toddler philosophy, Susan's belief is that children need to know that they can depend on their parents to guide them through the ups and downs of their lives. I'm often asked how parents can continue this respectful parenting approach with children beyond the preschool years that I focus on. And Susan is one of the first people that I always recommend. Her resources are wonderful. Her books are fantastic. And she does these incredible summits where you get to hear from all these different experts. She's a leader in this field. So I couldn't be happier Mm. than to welcome you, Susan. Yes, and I couldn't be happier to be here with you, Janet. What a joy to be able to, you know, be face-to-face and not have this all happening cyberly. Exactly. This is a gift. I love your work, and I love how there's such a natural and easy and perfect fit between your sensibilities and mine and and how we can take our kids from, you know, prenatal all the way up through young adult with consciousness and love and connection. Yes, that's what we were trying to do. And we're really trying to help, I think. Uh, I always focus on, uh, especially when there's I don't know, criticisms out there and all different controversies and things. I, get. I try to recenter myself to what, why we're even doing this, which is to help make parents' lives easier, make things work better for them, help them to raise children that are delightful and that they're proud and happy yeah. to be with. And that often requires being what you call calmly in charge. Yes. Now, I know that there's parents out there that actually are uncomfortable with this idea of us being in charge as parents. What would you say to those people? Well, first of all, I would ask you to make a distinction between being in control and being in charge. In my work, I call it the captain of the ship. And as you know, I use my hands to kind of represent this model that somehow I came up with many, many years ago that summarizes it. So I'm going to do it now. So follow along in your mind's eye, everyone. Also, I think I can put a screenshot on Susan Stiffelman's website. You have photographs of these hands that you're going to be talking about. And I think I can do a screenshot and put them in the transcript so people can see. Oh, nice. So basically, if you imagine that your right hand represents you as the parent and your left hand as the child, when you're the calm captain of the ship who's in charge, meaning that you're the one who has taken on the responsibility of safely ferrying your children across the calm or stormy seas of life, then the right hand would be represented as above the child's hand. Again, not because you're better, not because you're more worthy of respect, but just because you're the grown up in the room. And so when, when you're the captain of the ship and your children are stressed or distressed or want something or unhappy, it's okay with you. You can live through that. You don't need them to like you or to be cheery and smiling all the time. And you, in fact, recognize that for a child to grow up to become a resilient adult, they actually have to live through and discover that they can live through disappointment and upset. 
So when you're the captain of the ship, right hand above the left, when you're in what I call lawyer mode, the two hands are side by side. This is where you're arguing and negotiating, and this is where the power struggles and the lectures and the explanations and rationalizations, and your child says, well, I really want to have pizza for breakfast. And you say, well, you can't possibly have pizza for breakfast. It's not good for you. And then your child says, what do you mean? It's got dairy products, and that's like milk, and it's got vegetables. (laughs) It's got an onion or two on there, (laughs) and that, that must make it healthy. And you say, no, but it's got all kinds of added, whatever. And now no one's in charge and you're arguing and debating. And then it can get even worse, which is represented by the right hand below the child's. And this is where the child says, well, I'm not eating anything then if I can't have pizza. I hate you. And you respond by saying, go to your room or you don't appreciate anything I do for you. You don't know how lucky you are. And in that state, when your hand is below the child, you feel out of control. So this is where this control issue comes up. Being out of control is what prompts us to bribe, to threaten, to punish, to, to on the inside feel out of, out of control or panicked or desperate, disrespected, unappreciated. All those feelings are what prompt us to issue these threats and these bribes. So when I talk about being calmly in charge, I'm really talking about owning that place that the child is so deeply comforted by. When a child knows that no matter what I go through, if I'm out of sorts, if I'm sad, if I'm having a meltdown, if I hate my baby brother today, my parent is big enough and sturdy enough to get me through it. So that's the summary. (laughs) (laughs) Long-winded, but... And to accept that your child isn't going to always agree and that you even welcome them to say... No, and right. you're still holding on to that benevolent power. Yes, it's a great, great term for it, Janet. And it doesn't mean that you you might not say, you know what, pizza is actually not a bad idea for breakfast. But what I ask parents to do is not cave in or give in because you've been intimidated by your child or worn down. Now, that doesn't mean you won't ever give in because you're worn down because lo- we all do. Fine. Play another game on the video, whatever. I don't think that you can ever be consistent. I think this idea that we dangle in front of parents, consistency is really important, is very unrealistic in the real world. We get tired, we get overwhelmed, we get an email from work. You can change your mind. But what I I don't want to see happen, and I work with parents to help avoid, is sort of being bullied or intimidated by our children because we're afraid of their explosive reaction or their disappointment or their unhappiness, or maybe we're going through something difficult, a divorce or a loss, and so we keep saying yes when actually it's not in service of the child's greater need, which is to feel that they're in a safe container, that you can manage and maintain limits and boundaries even when there's you know chaos going on in, in a child's life. And kids tell me in my office as a therapist, they'll confess to me that it's unnerving. They don't use that word, but you know, that they don't like it when their parents are really wishy-washy. They like having that sort of solidity that the parent says, I know you really wanted pizza. I get it. It's so delicious. Compared to oatmeal, there's not even a comparison. And this is what we have. And to sort of be prepared for, I hate this. And be okay with that. Well, that's that's a human reaction to a disappointment. You don't have to fix it. Talk them out of it or do something. Well, how dare you? You're so lucky to have that oatmeal. No, they just had a f- feeling about it. 
which you and I, I know, have been talking a lot about in anticipation of something I guess we'll talk about later. Uh, let's just talk about it now since okay, you brought okay. it up. So Susan and I are doing a master class about coping with our children's emotions. And this is going mm. to run the gamut from whining, crying, yelling at us, maybe shouting words at us, physically expressing their feelings. What do we do as parents? How can we learn to handle this in a way that, number one, doesn't beat us up and wear us down and in a way where we can still be this leader that Susan's talking about? And how do we also help our child in this situation to uh, experience this process of healing that children do quite naturally, especially in the earlier years, and to see their feelings and the expression of them as not the problem, but actually the cure a lot of the time. And we're going to be doing this mm-hmm. master class June 28th, 12 o'clock to 1.15 Pacific time. And we hope that you'll all consider joining us. We're going to be yeah. hearing questions from yeah. participants and we'll be responding to those and we'll be giving the whole overview, hopefully everything you ever wanted to know about <laughs> handling your children's emotional oh life. One of the things I love about your podcast and all the, the work that you're doing in your writings is this understanding and that, that we share, which I didn't grow up with. I don't know about you, but I think we're really trailblazers. I think many, uh, and those of you listening, I think that you're creating a path that's so important to the healing and health of our planet, of our world, of our children as they grow, because most of us trained to kind of look the other way when big feelings or, or emotions showed up, or, or our parents instinctively or naturally tried to talk us out of them. And what we both teach is to be present with maybe the discomfort, because at first it's really foreign to not try and offer a solution to a child who's melting down because she can't have a second ice cream cone. We're sort of pre-programmed, and that's a lot of my work in classes are about unprogramming. It's just sort of peeling off what we've absorbed through how we were raised and what we saw growing up. But a child who wants another ice cream, if we can start to become comfortable with their discomfort, knowing it's a storm that will pass, and I love that you teach that too, and I think that's what we want to keep expanding in our work, respectively. So I would invite parents listening to just look at the next time your child sort of objects or voices an upset to start noticing what is getting stirred up for you. And one of the things you may notice is this isn't okay. My parent would have shut this down or talked me out of it or lectured me or scolded me or sent me to my room, right? Or it touches off something in ourselves that's repressed right? as well that we weren't able to express. So all of a sudden we're feeling enraged. And it's because we never got to express that as children. I've seen that with clients a lot, like almost a disproportionate outrage when our child says, I don't want to do that because we weren't allowed. I really love what you said about children telling you in therapy that they really didn't like the wishy-washy parent and they really wanted a confident leader. I think the big challenge in that is children will not give us that feedback in the moment <laughs> ever, right? No, no, don't worry. I mean, they're that. not going to say thank you <laughs> for letting me be angry that you said no to me or <laughs> but 
in our class, I'm going to share a couple of examples where yeah. that actually did come through, which is quite amazing, yeah. where children, even very young children, were able to express the gratitude. But generally, as parents, we're not going to get that. No. And so we have to remember, we have to, and maybe there was one time that we did, or maybe we can remember a story that we heard from someone else and keep reminding ourselves of that. No, this is actually a golden moment. This is quality time I'm having with my child. Having this interaction, it's not a sign of failure. And another thing that I think is so important about that is we're going to get worn down yeah. At the end of the day, if we're feeling responsible for every time our child reacts, especially in times of stress or toddler years when there's so much development going on, adolescence when there's so much development going on, and they're going to have a lot of <clears throat> back at us yeah. in some way. Maybe it looks more you know, sad and held in, which is also hard to see, but there's going to be a lot of emotional flux and... We can't ride those waves. We won't make it through the toddler years. We have to find a way to not emotionally distance ourselves, but see it in a way that's positive. See yeah. it in a way that yeah. doesn't make us feel we are responsible for changing it. Yeah. As perfect as it is. If we can take the longer view and understand that I often say we're not just raising children, we're raising adults. You know, I know when my son was finally in college, I would get these comments from him or phone calls thanking me for ways that I had parented him where he was referring to the times I'd said no or times that I had trusted that he could endure having to do chores or having to, you know, where he would have pitched a fit during his teenage years and how that empowered him. I, I, I sometimes say, Imagine what it what it is you're actually saying to your child when you fix something that they don't like. So the child says, well, I have to have a second ice cream cone. I can't live without it. They're flailing their arms. They're on the floor. You're so tired. And then you've got this story going on in your head of what people are saying about you or about your child, you know, who are watching this. And we get a lot of sweat because of that, a lot of pressure and stress. And imagine the sort of meta message if you give the ice cream, and I'm not saying you can't ever do it, but in that moment, if that's always what you do, you're sort of saying, I don't have faith in your capacity to cope with disappointment. Exactly. And that message is internalized. And then you grow a child who has a boyfriend who breaks up with her, and she can't cope with that disappointment. Or he doesn't get the job that he wanted, and he can't cope with that disappointment. Right. You build a resilient adult by entrusting them, being a, a loving, calm presence while they're having a disappointment without fixing it so that they internally come to understand, oh, I can live through tough things. Uncomfortable emotions. Yeah, yeah. not just disappointment, every frustration yes. and anger and sadness, sadness and loss yeah. and all of those things. This is how we set children up for a healthy yeah adulthood. And I've seen in my own children the difference between them and me, and it's huge. Me too. <laughs> and I also got thanked in regard to screen time, which I was so strict about. It was difficult. Other parents didn't seem to have the same values around that. So I was the bad guy a lot of times. And to have my daughter thank me for that was nice. just amazing. Yeah. Because she could see how much easier it was for her to learn in college wow. and to study. Wow. And, you know, she knew that her brain worked really well, she wow. could tell. But we can't count on that gratitude. And what should we do if 
you talked a couple of times about when we do give in and give the ice cream, what should we tell ourselves? How should we view that? How should yeah. we handle that besides beating ourselves up, which yeah. we definitely Please shouldn't don't. do? Not allowed in my world. Nobody gets to say I blew it or I messed up. I don't let people say those things. There's a couple things. If you know you're really tired and you don't have anything left to say no to the ice cream. And your child is still at the phase where they're asking nicely, mommy, that was so good. Please, can I have another one? Make it your idea. Just co-opt the idea and say, you know what? I was about to offer you another ice cream. (laughs) That's so funny. You're like a mind reader. (laughs) Because you've now, you still are captaining the ship, right? You're just steering into a second ice cream cup. So it isn't a result of them having, you know, broken glass in the ice cream shop that they've (laughs) discovered, oh, that's what I have to do to get ice cream. Ideally, you want to catch it early. Oh, you wanted another story? I was about to suggest you have another bedtime story. And otherwise, if everything has fallen apart, just please put your hand on your heart, ladies and gentlemen, and be really exceptionally kind to yourself and say, My child just broke something in the ice cream shop, and I am now giving her ice cream. And I know everything about that is not a great idea. And I am going to be kind to myself and just write it off. One event here and there is not going to make or break anything. Sometimes I think it also helps starting off with that very kind, loving attitude towards ourselves, that very forgiving, you know, we're human. And I want to be a human model for my child. I don't want to be some perfect anything. So from that place, I think it's really awesome if we can actually reflect a little, huh, how did I get to this? Rewinding and taking a look so that we can learn from it so that we can say, you know, I should have said no to going in the ice cream store. Because oftentimes when children really do want to express the feeling and they're unconsciously pushing the limit for that reason, they will keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And then- yeah. You'll find yourself yeah. going crazy because you're yeah. trying to give, you give the ice cream, you did this, you get that, and now they want something else. And it yeah. seems so unfair. And that's because your child really just wanted you to say no yeah. in the beginning. But again, we can get caught up in our own feelings and our own stuff. None of us are perfect and it's going to happen. So, And you can also, you know, not that same day probably, but a day or two later when everything's, everyone's happy and connected and calm, you could do a debrief with your child, of course, depending on the age and say, you know, the other day you really pitched a fit, didn't you, about that ice cream? You know, you and I are very much on the same page about looking for the root. Mm -hmm. I'd love to know, was it just that the ice cream tasted good? Sometimes, and particularly because I also work with much older children, we'll find out that it had to do with what happened at school that day and that nothing was going her way and the ice cream was just a stand-in for, I want to have some agency over something in my life. And so far, it seems like ice cream's the only possible (laughs) option. So sometimes the debrief, and I love what you said about just sort of gently rewinding and maybe give yourself a few hours or a day or two to look at, well, how did I end up in that situation? But to do that in a way that's totally non-judgmental. And I know that's your approach too. That's more out of curiosity and open-heartedness rather than where did I go wrong? Just so that we can learn because, man, I've written two parenting books. I've been a therapist for 30-something years. And I lost my way many, many times. Let's just put it that way. And I know intellectually all the things, 
but I'm still a human being and I still came from my own childhood. And so we don't aspire to be anything close to perfect. There's not even anything to aspire to called perfect. It's just we want to be, as you said, human and show our kids. And if you've lost your cool with your kids, and I have a lot of work around this, you can go and apologize and and model for them what it looks like to take responsibility for those times when you did sort of fall apart. There's really no more powerful modeling than that, those humble apologies, especially if we want our children to be able to to go there in life. So it seems that generally your message, which is also a message I try to get across, is that you want to be the leader, but you want to be working with your child rather than on the opposite side of the courtroom or wherever. And I think the opposite side is also where we accidentally go when we do the bribes and the punishments. That you're really their ally, that you could say it's compassionate leadership. You're on the same team, you know, that your child, even in those moments when you don't give them the thing they wanted, or at least the thing they think they wanted, that it's done in a way with so much love and compassion and kindness because it's not triggering you that they want more pizza. Of course they want more pizza. Pizza's really yummy. It's much tastier than oatmeal. We're aiming for a kindness in those moments so that the child really has a sense that you're allies. You're rooting for them to grow and be happy and find their way, even in those moments when you may have to say, sweetheart, you know, not today. It's not going to happen today. Yeah. I One thing I used to tell myself in those hard moments is you need to be the best parent for this child. And being the best parent is saying no to some things. And from that attitude, I might even say a little of that to my child. Look, I've got to take care of you. This isn't healthy. And I love you, you know, briefly not trying to convince and absolutely expect that I can talk you into not being unhappy about this, but coming from that place of this is love, (laughs) you know, this is what love really is. This is what love looks like. It's not just the snuggles and the cuddles and the the kisses. In a way, this is a higher form of love because it's much more difficult. And I think children know that. I mean, I have such a great kid and I think I just was lucky in a lot of ways. But I also think that that willingness to trust his ability to not always like me or be happy with things did empower him to be a very well-adjusted and happy adult. So however I stumbled along in those times when I managed to pull it off, that I could be loving in the way that sort of set boundaries... I do think that has been in service for him to, you know, because eventually discipline is ultimately just about self-discipline. You know, how do you grow self-discipline inside yourself? It's by having someone on the outside start to help you become familiar and comfortable and at ease with not always having things exactly the way you think you want them. Absolutely. Will you talk to me again? Of course. (laughs) Oh my (laughs) gosh. Super duper fun. Yeah. And in the meantime... We can do this. (laughs) We can do this. Thanks so much for listening. Also, please check out some of my other podcasts at JanetLansbury.com. And both of my books are available on audio at audible.com. No Bad Kids, Toddler Discipline Without Shame, and Elevating Child Care, A Guide to Respectful Parenting. You can also get them in paperback at Amazon and an ebook at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Apple.com.